What is up guys, it is Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be talking about five players who are skyrocketing up my rankings after week one. Now I know what some of you guys might be thinking, you know, I'm always talking about don't overreact to week one, don't overreact early in the season. You want to find the player who wants to move the guy who did bad in week one. You want to, you know, trade the player who did amazing and someone's going to overreact. I totally understand that. But I do think these five players I'm talking about today, we have an idea. We saw it. These dudes are going to do better than we originally thought. I feel like we can lock that in for these five players. So that's what I'm going to talk about in this video. Before we do jump into the first guy, if you have any fantasy questions, this could be start sits for Sunday trade advice, you know, maybe you want to pick up a dude, want to run that by me, whatever you guys want to know, ask, you know, drop those down below and I'll be responding to every single person. But let's jump into the first player skyrocketing up my rankings and it is going to be Saquon Barkley. So heading into the season, I was higher than consensus on Saquon Barkley. He was someone I was comfortable taking at that one, two turn. I had him as the RB8, but he was really locked in there with like DeAndre Swift and Alvin Kamara in that tier for me. Looking at my rankings, like updating them after week one, I think he's going to slot in here as the RB3. That may seem crazy to jump him up that high after one week, but I mean, like after CMC and Jonathan Taylor, is there another guy we're taking here over Saquon Barkley? You know, someone may, you know, take a Dalvin Cook, maybe a DeAndre Swift, but I think he's totally in the discussion here at RB3. And at the end of the season, if he's ahead of JT or ahead of Jonathan Taylor, or I mean ahead of CMC or Jonathan Taylor, I really wouldn't be shocked. He went out in week one, was dominant, lit it up, 33.4 PPR points, 18 rush attempts, 164 rushing yards, got into the end zone on the ground, and then was targeted six times in the receiving game, caught six of those for 30 receiving yards. He was the New York Giants' entire offense. He had an 83% snap share. 74% route participation. We know this offense isn't going to be, you know, some insane unit. They're not going to be a high scoring attack, but if they're just competent enough to feed Saquon Barkley the ball, let him have a little bit of efficiency here and there, Saquon Barkley is going to have a massive season. The reason why I was in on Saquon is the only reason he was being faded was because of his injury history. We just don't know enough about injuries. People overreact to, you know, how injury prone players are. So Saquon Barkley, with that week one performance, he jumps up all the way to RB3 in my rankings. Hopefully he can stay healthy and continue dominating like he did in week one. The next player who was already skyrocketing up my rankings is going to be AJ Brown. Coming into the season, I had him ranked as my wide receiver 12. After week one, I've bumped him up all the way to wide receiver six. I do think there's a pretty clear tier break. Those top five wide receivers are pretty locked in at this point. Jefferson, Cup, Chase, Diggs and Devontae Adams, but A.J. Brown is the next guy, you know, leading that second or I guess third tier if you have like Cup, uh, Chase, and Jefferson over the Adams-Diggs tier, but you know, we're splitting hairs at this point. He's behind those five guys, really solid week one performance, 25.5 PPR points, was targeted 13 times, caught 10 passes for 155 yards, Coming into the season, the concern with A.J. Brown was like, was he going to be put in a similar situation on a low-volume passing attack like he was with the Titans? A.J. Brown had a ceiling with the Titans, but he had to be so, you know, wildly efficient to produce at a high level. He wasn't, you know, able to be a target hog on that Titans offense. So heading over to the Eagles, that was the question we were asking. I think we got a few answers here. They may not be, you know, the highest-volume passing attack, I believe Hurts threw 32 passes. 
He had way more dropbacks than that. That is something we have to look at. Hurts had like 17 rush attempts. Those are not all designed quarterback runs. So I think on a normal game script, when you look at their dropbacks, they're probably throwing more than 32 pass attempts. But even with those 32 pass attempts, A.J. Brown was being peppered. He had a 44.8% target share, an even higher air yard share with 64.8%, and then 5.2 yards per route run, which is unbelievable. You know, it does seem like they're going to be more pass heavy this year. This offense as a whole is going to be better. The touchdowns are going to be there for A.J. Brown. So I feel confident bumping him up all the way to wide receiver six. And to be totally honest with you, I'm a little bit salty sitting here that I didn't have more shares of A.J. Brown at that 2-3 turn. But I think I do have him in a few spots where he was falling, uh, you know, early, mid-third. That is where I was taking A.J. Brown. So I'm feeling good about those picks. The third player is going to be another wide receiver, and it is Michael Thomas. So I was actually pretty high on MT coming into the season. He was someone I was just willing to take the risk on. So I had him ranked as the wide receiver 23. I don't think many people had him ranked as a, you know, a top 24 guy. I think in a lot of platforms, he was going fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe even like eighth round. If you're getting sixth or seventh round Michael Thomas, I feel like you have to feel like you got away with robbery here. And then I went from wide receiver 23. It's tough to really pinpoint like he is wide receiver blank. The wide receiver position is just so muddied right now, especially from like wide receiver 12 to like wide receiver 20 something. So basically I think right now he's locked in as a mid-tier wide receiver too. The question with Michael Thomas was never, you know, is he good at football? Really the question was just, is he going to come back and be the same player? That question was answered. So that's why I feel so confident saying he can skyrocket up my rankings. I wouldn't be surprised if I continue to move him up. If by the end of the season, Michael Thomas is slotting in as a you know back-end wide receiver one, I really do not think that is crazy. He went out week one, scored 22.7 PPR points, eight targets, five receptions, 57 yards, got into the end zone twice. I kind of wish he didn't score those two touchdowns because I think he would have been a really solid buy low. But you know what happens? He had a 25% target share and then 88.2% route participation. That's something that I thought was super encouraging because he was limited throughout the entire week with a hamstring injury. So, you know, he didn't get full practice time. He probably wasn't 100%, but he was still logging a ton of routes on Sunday. He actually had a full practice this week on Wednesday. So it really looks like the health issues are kind of behind Michael Thomas. If you have a healthy Michael Thomas on your team and he's your number three wide receiver, I mean, you are really, really set this season. So Michael Thomas is someone who is moving up my ranks. Now we're going to jump back to the running back position with A.J. Dillon here. Dillon was a guy that I was decently interested in. I had him as my RB21 heading into the season. Right now, he's probably slotting in anywhere from running back 16 to running back 18. He had a strong week one game, 20.1 PPR points. The thing that I think really separated him was the workload in comparison to Aaron Jones. So A.J. Dillon had 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, and then six targets, five receptions for 46 yards. He had five more carries and one more target than Aaron Jones. Coming into the season, I thought A.J. Dillon was going to have weekly flex value. I didn't think he was someone you were going to love plugging into your lineup as an RB2, but he carried that elite ceiling if Aaron Jones ever went down. Now sitting here after week one, I think A.J. Dillon is a really strong running back to start in your lineup. I don't think it's going to be like this every week where, you know, Dylan's getting more opportunities than Aaron Jones. I think typically you're going to see Aaron Jones more involved in the receiving game. But I mean, if this is a 55-45 in that Packers offense, they're going to get better. It's not going to be a miserable performance like it was Sunday, you know, every single week. 
if this is a 55-45 split, Aaron Jones is a very viable running back too. He'll likely outperform his ADP even without an Aaron Jones injury. And then if Jones is missing any time, AJ Dillon's probably a locked in top 10 running back. So he's someone who's definitely, you know, rising in my ranks. And then the fifth and final player who is shooting up, probably the biggest riser overall, you know, just in terms of slots. It's got to be Daryl Henderson here. He was my running back 40 coming into the season. Obviously, that was with the expectation that Cam Akers was going to be the starter. Henderson was going to be the backup or, you know, in some sort of committee. Now I feel like you have to evaluate him as a mid to back end running back too. It's kind of tough to pinpoint a really specific range because if we knew Henderson was just going to have that same workload the entire season, he'd be a locked in mid tier running back too, if not higher. The problem is he could have that workload for a few weeks and then McVay could just give it to Akers and I wouldn't be totally shocked. So there is, you know, a level of uncertainty there. He is kind of a risky play, you know, I guess it determines your risk tolerance if you want to go out, you know, uh, trade for Daryl Henderson, but he didn't have an insane week one, pretty pedestrian in terms of production, 12.3 PPR points. It really was just the usage. So 13 carries and five targets that's compared to Cam Akers, three carries and zero targets. And we've actually had a sample size of Daryl Henderson as the starting running back in this lineup last year, first 10 games of Henderson's season. He was the number one that was with Cam Akers out. Henderson stepped up, was the guy. He averaged 15.7 PPR points over that stretch. So really strong production and then solid workload also 14.2 carries per game and then 3.8 targets per game. I'd expect similar things here with Henderson. He's going to have a lot of touchdown upside on that Rams offense. So right now he is definitely skyrocketing. I do think it'll be interesting to see how this backfield plays out. If I had to guess, I feel like Henderson's going to hold on to it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if maybe they bring in a running back, trade for a running back, and then it kind of turns into a gross committee. But in the short term, Henderson should be slotting in as a mid-tier running back too. I think locked and loaded every single week, basically until the Rams tell us otherwise. So those are the five players shooting up my rankings. We had Saquon, AJ Brown, Michael Thomas, AJ Dillon, and then Daryl Henderson. Let me know what you guys think about these players down below. Am I overreacting or am I kind of, you know, on the spot here with these players? As always, thank you guys for stopping by. If you did enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Really helps me out a ton and I'll see you guys in the next one.